it is starting. <laughs> <laughs> it has started. I'm just going to give a quick background about my experience of Logan, which is that we met while working at a crazy startup called Outdoorsy. Now I say crazy startup because they all are nothing against Outdoorsy specifically. It was the, it's the Airbnb of RVs. So it's a place where you can rent an RV or rent out your RV. But one of the things that stood out about Logan in particular is he's a community builder. And this is a time and place where building communities I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot, but like, what is building community and what is building community online? And tell me about, tell me your story in your words, Logan. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, I was doing the activities of community building since that's where we left off. Since before there was a job, common job function called community manager. I rejected that job function. I was like in boot camps and reading everything I could about growth marketing and retention and engagement because I wanted to have an impact in the startup. I didn't want to be um, handling support stuff. Although now it's like, oh, when we, we need people to run campaigns, engage people, like identify the best users and bring in, like bring them in for products and testing and all the, and now like be frontline support for mental health crises and like be a communications expert for handling unweaving um, like unweaving systemic racism that is happening inside of our communities. That's all the function of a community manager now and wow. including like get our, make sure we're getting ROI on our community, make sure that people are being engaged and they're retaining and more people are, are, um, people who are in our community are having a much better experience than people who don't join it and all of that. So I'm happily happy to call myself a community manager now. Outdoorsy was kind of the first place that I legitimized it. The startup before I kind of like had to sneak that into my title because I was doing Well, and even at Outdoorsy, you were one foot growth. I felt like you were always like growth. I I had to get in the door. And so I told them their email was bad and Um, and we built, I mean, I remember starting, but you actually built it, um, a Facebook group for Outdoorsy. I remember like trying to figure out where community lives there and you ran with it after I left, but, um, Mm -hmm. what happened? So what was your, where where did you go after Outdoorsy? Like, what was the, yeah, yeah. So I was building this Facebook group and like a lot of people who work with Facebook groups, that it's, it's intended for a specific thing and it's not intended for um, you're not supposed to be able to start a Facebook group and then get all the user data that's in the Facebook group. But we were, we did have these users as a Facebook group for owners, RV owners. And so we were going to start this like long-term relationship with them. We needed to build a lot of trust with them to get them to hand over the keys to somebody else because we told them that was okay. It requires a lot of, a lot of trust and a sense of security. Um, if you're an RV owner or you know anybody, you'll know that like, these are like babies. These are like precious. This is like, like for somebody like baby RV dog or in some order. <laughs> <laughs> and so we really had to build a lot of trust. And um, I was sending a lot of feedback to the Facebook team. I jumped into, I talked my way into one of their community programs for group admins and I was, and I was trying to um, navigate that space and I made friends with other people in the space who were also using Facebook groups. So we can kind of share ideas and information and um, 
and yeah, and one of those people, a shout out to Susie Nelson. She is was a community manager at digitalmarketer.com, then was hired as a community strategist at Facebook, and then um, referred me in. Um, I think because she, we sneakily joined each other's Facebook groups and learned from each other, and so yeah. Well, you've always been a community pioneer. I mean, even um, I feel like you're one of the only people who really takes it seriously. Like even the fact that you were like, let's try to do this podcast, Meredith. Let's see how this goes. I think you should do this on Zoom. Let's record it. Like you are always pushing it forward. I really appreciate that about you. So I'm really happy to be here, but shout out, like if anybody from the community is listening and you can follow up in the um, wonderful, beautiful Voyager Slack of which I've been a community member for a couple of years now, um, we can do some questions, follow up with the Q&A and, and maybe have like some, some peer-to-peer conversation with I the other that. wonderful lighthouses in the beautiful Voyager Slack. How, how, when did you first find Beautiful Voyager and did you think of yourself as a lighthouse for others at that point? I first found Beautiful Voyager because I was very interested in what Meredith was doing post, you were doing post, um, post outdoorsy and you're already building Beautiful Voyager while you're there. But I remember being like, Meredith, you're just like such a unicorn and you got to find the perfect spot. And so I was thinking of spots for you. I joined your community. And so when I was like introducing you to people and and programs and opportunities, I was like, oh, she's got some, she's got an interesting thing. You have to take your time because here, look, she has a community for overthinkers. And I would introduce you to people and they'd be like, whoa. <laughs> and I got a lot of value out of it. Even if, even though I'm, um, in terms of my habits, I'm, I'm maybe more lurker. I love um, it though. I, I mean, read. I love that you get something out of it just from lurking. Yeah. It's, it's helpful to, know that there's something out there that's helpful it's always there i think one of the biggest strengths of the community is it's always there like if something's going i find some people are quiet for years and then all of a sudden they'll have a question and i'm like well you know we're always here so thank you for showing up it's great um you know one of the things about this podcast that i was thinking is that you might have something you want to share do you like i was thinking that this podcast may be a place where when someone comes on they have something they really wanted to talk about that they haven't been able to figure out where to talk about it otherwise mm. do you have anything like that in my job at facebook now i work i work do programs for community leaders so i'm managing these facebook groups for community leaders and a lot of the way that they learn as anybody community, a lot of the ways that community leaders learn from each other learn is from each other. Like you'll see how somebody models behavior and how they respond to something and that you'll sort of experiment with and try that voice. So it's really important to bring these community leaders together, really important to model behavior. One of the early things that we sort of recognized with um, the social distancing in place was that there'd be incredible uh, effects on people's mental health that were sort of unseen. It was like seeing it as like a second epidemic that was coming was the epidemic of loneliness and um, epidemic of people running out of not having as much access to um, the mental health services and that they had had that they had had before. And I know I work at Facebook. I'm also one of the first ones to say that there are negative effects of just scrolling and reading Facebook or any kind of, media any kind of newsfeed scroll for like more than 30 minutes is going to affect you 
and I'm also very tired at the end of the, like a day of Zoom meetings. This is all gonna like stack up. So one thing I was thinking about is like, well, how do we, how do we manage that in um, this time? And so thinking of mindfulness, thinking of um, um, how to like, man, like wellness around like emotional energy and or energy around purpose and our energy around like our physical health and what that looks like now. And, um, and I'm also very interested in like how we can have conversations now. That's my, because we're, in a, we're in like a double, um, double social upheaval of, of, of our norms. The second one being this social unrest that came about of the, like the murders of, of members of the black community that, and right now I'm, I'm, I'm looking at into a lot of communities and I'm just seeing that a lot of people are feeling unsafe on both ends. And how do we have conversations without safety? How do we get more comfortable being, being uncomfortable so we can start to have these conversations? Do you at Facebook have, are you connected to other people talking about mental health on the inside? Like I know you're a voice of that, but are there, is it very grassroots how people like find each other? I say this working at a tech company myself, Pinterest, and it's grassroots there. Like we, you know, those yeah. of us like we're building, we're building community internally, but I'm just curious if that's similar. It is not very, it's not that revolutionary to talk about mental health inside of Facebook. There, people are pretty aware. I, I think I think if Facebook is like a pretty like conscientious org, like it's really they they keep hammering into you like you'll bring your whole self, talk about like we're <laughs> like talk about what you want to talk about. Like like there's a lot of trainings in place about um and a lot of opportunities available to find the com kind of conversations that you're looking for. Um which is surprising because Facebook is huge. And you think that there's there there would be a lot of controls around an around just my nature of, of it being an enterprise, but that has to protect a lot of information and has to have wants to do things a certain way. Um, I there there are like very smart people really that are hers whose job it is to focus on leading teams, building teams um, around loneliness and mental health and depolarization at Facebook. Um, and and do you do you check in with them like i would imagine that the things you're doing are important with them as well yeah because you're talking about these conversations and how do you facilitate these conversations we're finding we're finding opportunities together to sort of overlap and i think everybody is looking very closely at what group leaders are doing um facebook's mission statement has changed like five four or five years ago um, to focus on communities rather than just connecting people, but giving them the power to build community. I think that the interesting thing about being at Facebook or Pinterest is that when you're working with this many users, you're, you're sort of solving problems as if you were like a, in the, it was as if you were like a civic servant or something. I know. You're, that's so well put. That is so well put. That's so true. Yeah. People are like, can you just change this on the platform? It's like, my gosh, like, 
there's policy teams, there's content teams, there's like integrity. Like, who does this, how do we, how, you, when you roll something out, you're rolling it out to a lot of different types of people. Even in talking about, you know, content, we're always having to think um, of how language works in different places around the world. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very scaled operation. There is a, a real opportunity right now with what's happening. There's, with each time there was, there was first the, the COVID crisis and now this crisis of, for, of humanity and doing the right thing for humanity, there's a real opportunity right now to present ideas, build teams, get them prioritized and get things done. And, um, and also everyone with, as I'm sure you've heard around the news with Facebook, everyone has realized that they're not only just part of a product, a company that builds product, but also a company that um has enforces policies and we have to be aware of how those policies affect people and how um that act of being aware of how policies affect people it's like there's a long road to being truly aware of all the different voices that are being represented on the platform the different experiences um it must be so hard logan to speak on facebook's behalf it is. I'm, I'm doing like some, I'm doing some like. I feel you. I mean, I, I feel you in the most empathetic way. Like you, I know that you're working for good and I know that you mean everything that you say about building community and getting people to connect with each other and communicate. Um, and you're in, an, in such a polarized environment around mm -hmm. even the topic of your workplace. I mean, that just the experience of looking at news and social media and reading things is very disorienting right now. And I think that there's a long way to go with that. I think social media itself is very new. We're like in the second inning of a nine inning ball game of that. We're just, we've got a long way to go having given everyone a voice and a platform and then connected people. Now what? And I think we don't really know. As a society, we don't know what it should look like. I get a lot of feedback that's like, oh, Facebook's been messing up. I've been reading about it in the news. It's like, all right, like, I've give me your, like, let's have a conversation <laughs> let's, about what it. Should we, okay. Let's work on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, it's hard because I think that, like, the way that, the way that, like, information and is, like, hitting our brains right now, it's like, everyone kind of assumes that everyone already knows everything. And I see that also like when there's these debates being had about what is the truth about um, police brutality and systemic racism. It's like everyone has information as seemingly has access to all of the facts, but the, and all of the literature. And so there's like, it makes dialogue hard because it's like everyone assumes that everyone should know everything. People come into conversations with me and be like, Oh, now that we both have established that, like Facebook is a rotten company and everyone should delete their accounts or something. And I think, well, how do we, how do we have a conversation that sort of like includes like the good and the bad? You, what you're saying really resonates with me. I mean, I, I really feel like there's, we have like more information than ever, but um, a layer of assumption that is thicker than ever too. Mm -hmm. um, and 
it's not like the information has cleared up thinking yet. We're still learning how to process that information and communicate with each other. Oh, um, yeah. If you could wave a magic wand and have something change, I don't even know if this is possible, around community building or communication at Facebook or outside of Facebook, what, what would it be? Yeah, I'll talk in general. I think that the power of a good community builder, good community leader is like so overwhelms any kind of like tools or policy or even like the subject matter that they're working on. It's like, if you have somebody who is just like truly has that kind of spirit, has that like goal of connecting people and making them feel safe and helping encourage whatever transformations that come from people, individuals when they're in that kind of space. Um, you could be running a meme group about kitties and it is it is like powerful. Like it, like, can you say more about what that mindset is? Like what, what is the mindset that helps do that? Yeah. It's just like, I think it starts with values where somebody, somebody is like, this is especially the values around like, I am here as like a servant leader. I'm connecting people. My work is to connect people and to keep things safe, to have these guidelines and to take feedback and to evolve them. You are like, talking my language, by the way. I mean, that is exactly how I think of like what my role is. Oh, beautiful. And beautiful in beautiful Voyager. In beautiful yeah, Voyager, in, in, but also, you know, I established the first mental health ERG at Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And I've really, it's, it's brought me a lot of joy to, as things are getting so difficult, um, especially through the protests, to feel like I understand my role and it's exactly as you just described mm -hmm. so we just did like a mental health meeting along with the blackboard group at pinterest and i just felt a lot of clarity around my role yeah and that's key sometimes i'm like within the last couple of weeks i'm like oh man do i speak up am i getting a little paralyzed like what if i say the wrong thing what You're if no i everyone feels that way yeah and like if I say too much, if I'm too forward, forthright, am I trying to absolve the guilt and shame that I feel? I know. Am I like, should I check in with POCs, but I don't want to put emotional labor on them? Should yeah, I, I know, I know. Should I, know. I look through my Rolodex for the most woke person I know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been a little paralyzed, but then like when something is, something happens in one of my communities, I have these principles. I have the yes. value of what is it is what what is i look through the, the incident record of incidents and in the convert dialogue and i was like what is taxing to safety what mm -hmm. is and um what is what do we need to have in order to not just do conflict resolution not just solve the problem but get back to like friendly relations get to like reconciliation and um yeah so i feel like i have as a community leader like relating to you what you said it's like you have a, a role and, and taking uh, action helps me so much and feeling like i can um have a positive impact based on my role so i totally feel you um this yeah. is a hard question because i feel like the answer might be no do you think of yourself as an overthinker yes i've been told i'm calm and i'm like it's always like oh really the enneagram is helpful for me 
I've been working with a coach that refers to the Emmy. We established where I was on the Enneagram really fast. Which one um, is it? Which one are you? I'm a seven. Okay. I'm one who is, I can associate new ideas very easily. I'm going in different directions to, I get like, once I stop having fun with stuff, then I start to get antsy and I want to like drop it. Um, and that was useful because it's like the work there is like grounding into principles, like not getting super um, flighty because it's exhausting. Mm. And it exhausts me too when I'm like, I started like not even listening to myself when someone's like, what's your opinion on this? It's like, man, I don't want to like start in a new direction. Or I don't want to just come up with a new idea because it doesn't mean we're going to execute on it. And yeah. All the thoughts are like that too. It's like, I realized I could always have like a creative solution to something or you ask a question, you get down to a question, you start getting answers in it in your own, like when practicing mindfulness, if you bring in attention, you start, I can start getting like a lot of um, ideas. Information. It's like, all yeah. starts coming. Yeah. But it gets exhausting because it's like nothing can be grounding. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I um journaling. You yeah, so you touched on this. So you, journal. I said, what are some of the, your tips for your own managing your own overthinking? It sounds like meditation, journaling. What kind yeah. of meditation? Um, I I've really enjoyed guided meditation. Of I bounce between the Headspace app and the Waking Up app from Sam Harris. Yeah, it's great. Um, They're both great. Yeah, I like it. I really learn a lot from both of, both of them because one is the headspace app is kind of like a mix of like body scan and vipassana and um the headspace app kind of i like i like that it's a little meta it kind of shows you tells you what you're doing as you're doing it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um you can kind of trust that and also i think that i've learned that like guided meditation is probably good for my undiagnosed adhd mm. so i'm sticking with sticking with that for now and then slow like giving myself opportunities to slow down um and doing that as a practice like before i enter like my wake up what's going on checking on my stuff i like observe how i'm feeling right before i do that and observe like oh am i feeling anxious am i feeling like shame i notice that a lot of times i'm do looking at news and stuff i'm trying to find the news that is going to make me feel the most shame so i can remind myself that i'm a good person <laughs> that I feel I can feel so horrible about the news and stuff and not that not that I'm ready to change that right away or just having that observation but just knowing that that's what I'm doing and that's um something to be aware of is, yeah I was going to ask if the if the awareness of that state changes the behavior and it sounds like not yet but it might I'm playing with this idea that deciding that you're just going to change a behavior because you want to is not exactly is not even as effective as being aware of your willingness to change the behavior mm, like, totally yeah like totally. if you're aware they're like man what is my i have a value that wants to be better and then above that i have this tendency this pattern that is still doing the thing and you sort of like bring in compassion for yourself in that way because i was I can, it's easy to feel bad about like that you want to change, but it's not able to change right away. 
to like do a habit for a few days, but you haven't, you're not like, you kind of lose the thread and then you lose it. And then you, you think that you're, you don't have integrity or something that was happening to me a lot. And who are some of your favorite, um, sort of like, I don't want to say philosophers, but you're in, in the habit world. I, are you like a, a habit builder person and, and who do you read and follow in that? Yeah. I like James Clear. He's amazing, um, by the way. Yeah, I mean, good. that weekly email, oh my, the three things. I like that. Taking, I got to shout out this class in right now from uh, Carolyn Elliott. She is the author of Existential Kink. Mm. And um, she encourages these habits like waking up, pulling a tarot card, writing it down, and then looking for like, how that tarot card will like rhyme throughout the day and then at the end of the day like just being like oh i didn't know it the morning but here's the ways that my day was kind of like the ten the five of swords or something like that it's kind of like loosening your brain that's like a brain fun i like it yeah i like it because it's not necessarily saying this is the habit that will be helpful for you first it's more like you said it's like looser it's like you do the thing and then you reflect on it later. You were That's you super like, cool. You're building a habit of reflection. Well, yeah. And you're building a habit of like new pathways in your brain, new, more playful pl- pathways. It sounds like, mm-hmm. which I love. Um, my last question, what is your latest 1D win? And before you answer, I just want to explain that 1D win is short for wonderful win. It was named by... Um, a very long-standing member of the beautiful Voyager Slack community. And I thought, I thought, I knew he lived in Stockholm, but I thought he was British. But he's like, 1D is not British. I just made it up because it's short for <laughs> wonderful. Um, he's, he's Arab. He, he's of an Arab descent, but lives in Stockholm. But anyway, so 1D win. What's your, what's your favorite 1D win? We had, I, my, it was my brother's birthday the other day. My, I think my mom likes to create rituals routines we and so she's trying to do she's trying to create a family ritual where on birthdays we say what's something we um like about the person and it was nice because i've just spent all this time with my brother and i was able to share with him that i see that he's having to be very strong now that he's he's an actor out of who can't work and can't be passionate about what he's passionate about and i was able to share that with his friends and it's just like that moment of like we said before, just like being able to feel like you have something important to add, being able to be of service, like help me feel better too. And, and also uh, summarize this time that you invested in like building your relationship with him right now. Yeah. Because of COVID. Where, where is he an actor? Where is he in LA normally? Where does, he's, in, he's in New York City normally. Okay. okay. Yeah. He just, um, I'll share this later. He got, he was cast in this like, his like breakthrough role perhaps in this play that was going to be off Broadway that was um, by the um, Jeremy O'Harris, who was the playwright for race, race play. And it was this, he's going to win. Jeremy Harris was surely going to win some Tonys. And then Connor, my brother was going to appear in this play the same week of the Tony awards. Mm-hmm. And now that's all been deferred. And, and so he's just like, like, I have to wait. I have to wait for my dream to come back. And yeah. It's very, it's very so hard. hard. That's so hard. That's so hard. Connor, I cannot wait for you to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited yeah. for when your dream does happen. <laughs> the, the world will be a better place. He's the world will guy. totally be a better place. 
Um, thank you so much, Logan. I loved having you as my first guest.